Violations of our alcohol policy include possessing or consuming alcohol on or off campus. When students are off campus, they're still students of the university. And so they're still under the same state and federal laws and they're still under our expectations. Another violation is possessing empty alcohol containers in, in a student's room. I would say that no matter how environmentally conscious a student is, there's no student who goes out and rounds up 12 matching cans of beer. So there are some things that we have come to know over time. And if a student has empty alcohol containers in their room, it is most likely that they've consumed that alcohol there. So that's one of our violations. Hosting other people in a student's room with alcohol present because the person who is hosting is creating an environment where they're helping other people violate a policy or encouraging others to violate a policy. And then another example is being in a room where alcohol or containers are present. University responses include alcohol education programs, um, and these, these have a price, and the price is not intended as a fine. It is the price that it costs to deliver the alcohol education program. Um, but as a parent, um, I'm always interested in what's the worst case scenario, so I'm going to share that with you now. A worst case scenario for a student is housing contract termination. So this is where we say, hey, student, we had a contract with you and that contract has behavioral expectations and you've um, broken your end of the contract. So you don't get to live with us anymore. In that case, a student owes us 50% of the remaining room balance. When, when might this happen? Well, it would be um, typically not a first offense, but if it's a first offense that's threatening personal safety of others in the residence halls, then it could happen at that point. Um, if a student is hosting um, parties in their own room, then the second hosting offense would be the time that we would say, we met with you the first time, we advised you not to do this again, so now you may no longer do this after, after a second offense, or, or repeated lesser offenses. Now, I want to share with you that we communicate with students in writing. And we do that through a website where all of the letters we've sent them, they have access to. We send letters that say, hey, we're gonna have a meeting with you. And this is what the meeting is about. After the meeting, we send a letter that says, we had the meeting and here's the outcome and you have an opportunity to appeal. So a student can appeal. A parent may join a student at an appeal meeting if the student invites them. So as a parent, what I would encourage you to do is to talk with your student about what your hopes and expectations are for them and share with them that you have made mistakes as well and ask them, would they be willing to let you know when they make a mistake? Not so you can yell at them, but so that you can help them. Because, of course, this time of going away to college is a time of trying new things, and you want to support them as they do that experimentation. You are more likely to hear from them if you approach it that way. If you tell your student, if you get in trouble, so help me, this is what I'll do to you, um, they will be fearful of you, and they will not want to tell you. And so they may reach a, a, an outcome like a housing contract termination, uh, without informing you. So I encourage you to ask them, would you be willing to share with me if you get in trouble so that I may assist you? Other drugs. When I talk about other drugs, I'm most specifically talking about the use of marijuana. And marijuana has certainly had a 
uh, growing acceptance in our, in our society. Currently though, on our campus, use of marijuana or drug paraphernalia is a violation of our policy. Smelling of pot because they used it someplace else, whether on campus or off campus, is also a violation of our policy. For individuals who become involved in dealing uh, drugs on our campus, through our conduct process, they can minimally expect to no longer have the opportunity to live on campus. We partner with, the, with Stadium Heights Security, University Security, the Mankato Police, and the Minnesota River Drug Task Force in enforcement of drug-related issues. Another area of conflict that sometimes emerges is sexual relationships. And I'd like to talk just a little bit about how those unfold. A sexual relationship might unfold because a person sharing a room uh, is uniquely impacted when a sexual relationship is occurring. And residential life is often the last person to know about it. Currently, every floor gets to vote at the start of the year about visitation. And in my 20-some years on our campus, every floor every year has voted for 24-hour visitation. I recognize that if we ask parents to vote, that might look a little different than what our students are voting. But every year, every floor votes for 24-hour visitation. Currently, Overnight guests are allowed for up to three consecutive nights with the approval of the roommate. So that is why Res Life is the last to know. We aren't approving the overnight guest, the roommate is. And so you might be frustrated that your student is describing that their roommate continues to have someone in their space and you're wondering why residential life is not doing anything about it. We might not know because we're assuming that approval has been granted. And so if that approval hasn't been granted, encourage your student to ask the roommate to stop the behavior or have your student contact our staff and we will work with them on solutions to address the issue. I'd like to add an addendum to this section about guests in light of COVID. Currently, overnight guests are not allowed due to COVID safety measures and students are limited to one guest in their room between the hours of 8 a.m. and midnight. Now, if this changes prior to move in, we will share that information with students. Mental health, we are living in an age when um, a student can have a mental health diagnosis and a treatment plan. They can come to college, they can get a degree, they can pursue a profession, marry, have children, and be successful in life. This is fantastic. Um, so we have students, many students, who come to college with a pre-existing diagnosis of a mental health concern, maybe depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, or any other thing. I encourage you to plan for continuation of care. We have resources on the campus and in the community. We have student health services, we have a counseling center, we have an accessibility resources office. Um, let's talk about that student identity thing that I brought up a while ago where a student is deciding who they are. For students who have had a mental health diagnosis in high school, they may feel like they want to reinvent themselves in college and no longer be the person who has depression or no longer be the person who has bipolar disorder. And they may feel like, 
okay, I'm going to stop taking my medication and I'm going to stop seeing my therapist and I'm just going to change my mind. For mental health concerns, um, our behavioral health concerns, the mind and the body are connected. It's not that simple. I think we would all agree that you can't just decide you're going to stop taking your insulin for your diabetes and hope that that's going to work out okay. Um, so when students come to college, a lot of things that affect their basic health change. They typically have a different sleeping schedule, a different eating pattern. They now have a new boss. They have new friends. Um, all of the things about how their body works in space and time are different. And so not only is it good to plan for continuation of care, they may need a medication adjustment because of the changes they're going through. Um, if this is your student, the continuation of care is really important. If this is a student that your student is connected to, um, your student may have concerns. If mental health issues have not touched your family, this may feel really unfamiliar and it might be frightening to hear that your student has a roommate, an apartment mate, um, now or in the years to come, that has one of these concerns. I'll tell you what I pay attention to. Um, if I hear that a student has a pre-existing diagnosis and a treatment plan, I say, good. You know what's going on. You have a plan for working with it. Uh, the thing that, that can concern me is when I observe behavior, where a person is not taking their medication, selling their medication, stealing medication from someone else, um, or making threats to harm themselves, making threats to harm other people, not going to class, um, doing dangerous behaviors. Those are the kinds of things that I want to intervene in so that that student can be more successful and all of the students around them are not being pulled down by, by their desire to support that student in their struggle. If, you have, um, if you're aware of a concerning behavior immediately, maybe your student calls and says, hey, I just saw on social media that um, this person has threatened to kill themselves, please call University Security, and that number is available on our website. It's 507-389-2111, but I'll just um, tell you also that you can Google MNSU University Security to find the number. Call them and tell them. We get calls from other campuses that, you know, a friend on a different campus has seen something about one of our students. And likewise, we contact other campuses to say, hey, our students told us they're concerned about another student in Nebraska. Um, so this is something that's common. University security expects these kind of phone calls and we'll take it very seriously and follow up immediately. We have a number of resources on campus. Our student health services have uh, a psychiatric nurse on staff uh, and they, take your, they will take student insurance. Our counseling center offers free services to students. They will do um, an intake where they triage what uh, students' needs are, and they will refer a student to the appropriate source. And so that might be um, a, a group therapy, um, it might be an education class, it might be individual counseling, or it might be an agency here in our community. Um, our Accessibility Resources Office supports students with disabilities and works with documenting those disabilities and getting the um, correct accommodations in place both in the residence halls and in students' coursework. Our university security office is available 24-7. They always have staff here on campus. They're a close partner for residential life. 
their number, which I would encourage you to put in your cell phone. And I would encourage you to have your student put in their cell phone. The university security phone number is 507-389-2111. If you're looking for the number later, please go to MNSU University Security and their webpage will pop up and you'll see the number and you can put it in your phone then and have your student put it in their phone.